Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online with us this morning. We did have a really, really good week. Uh, and uh, we're looking, already looking forward to next year. It's hard to believe. And if you're a mom or dad or you uh, are grandma or grandpa that has kids in your house, it's hard to believe that we are starting to get to the tail end of the summer already. And within a few weeks, we're going to be getting back into all the rhythms of the school year. For some of you, you're like, yes. My kids are going to be, and others of you are like, no, I want the summer to last a little bit longer. But, but whether, no matter kind of what your outlook is on your kids going back, probably if you have kids going back, you'll have over this next few weeks, you're going to be looking over their clothes to see what they've grown out of and maybe starting to, to put together some new outfits, maybe pick up a few new things. Uh, you will do the you know trip to the Walmart school supply or Target school supply aisle, and you'll you know do do all that stuff there, and you'll you'll get all the school supplies for the kids. Uh, you'll probably take that first day of the year kind of photo that everybody takes to their kids, and so you'll you'll you're going to tell your kids smile. I don't care if you're not happy, you're going to look good in your first day of school. I don't care if you look bad every other day, but this photo is going to be good because I have to post it on Instagram in a few minutes. And so you're going you're gonna to get that photo. And probably if you have kids going back, at some point after you've got the school supplies, after you have uh, kind of gotten together, you know, the, the things that they need, the clothes, you've taken that first photo. And, and, and over these next few weeks, before you do some of that, you're going to probably have a conversation with your kids. And it's okay, we're kind of getting back into the rhythm, we're getting back into the schedule, and you're going to have a, maybe a little heart-to-heart with them about, all right, this year I want you to, to be a leader, I want you to listen to your teachers, and, and I don't know what that talk looks like at your house, but at some point you'll, you'll probably have that, hey, be good this year, let's get less detentions this year than we got last year, and you may have that conversation. And, and here's why all of us have those conversations with our kids, because here's what we know. Everyone drifts towards imitation. It doesn't matter if your kid's like the greatest leader of all time, or if your kid is more passive, or you're somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter if they're outgoing or shy. We we know this, that everyone seems to drift, even adults, towards imitation. It's why your kid, if they play basketball, now shoot the three-pointer from 20 feet behind the three-point line because they are imitating Steph Curry, who they have watched. It's why you're going to buy a bunch of new clothes for your kids, and you're going to get them all set, and then they're going to come home a few weeks later, and they're going to be like, but I really want these shoes, or I really could I get this shirt, because they saw somebody else that had that at school, and they're going to want to have the same thing. They want to look that way. 
Or you're going to have your kids come home and they're going to like say phrases that like, what are the new cool phrases that, you know, kids are going to say in fourth grade this year and they're going to come home and they're going to use some phrases and hopefully they're not like cuss word phrases, but they're going to use some, some whatever's cool and talk today. And you're going to be like, where did that come from? You've never said that before. And it's like, they didn't make it up themselves. They're copying someone else because we all, again, whether we're an adult or whether we're a student, we seem to drift towards imitation. And, and imitation isn't always a bad thing. I, I mean, I- imitating something that is good is obviously, yeah, yeah. It's not always, that's, it's not always negative. Uh, imitation it's, isn't always bad. Imitating bad is bad. Like, like imitating some good stuff, you're like, yes. Follow, do that, be like them, you know, follow that example. Uh, But imitating bad is what gets us in trouble. And so we know this, and and since we know this, we're going to encourage the people that we love the most, whether they're our kids or just other people we care about, we are going to encourage those people through life to, hey, follow the right path, choose the right examples, because we know that we all kind of veer towards imitation. And over the last few weeks and and throughout this summer, we have been looking at some letters written by a guy named John, a guy that was a really good friend of Jesus. And and this really good friend of Jesus named John, who is also one of John's disciples, he wrote one more letter, and and he wrote a letter that we know, we just call it 3 John. And, and he wrote it to a, a friend of his, and he wrote it to his friend to do a couple things. He wanted to encourage his friend, but he also wanted to kind of exhort his friend to imitate what is good, to follow the example of what is good. And so it's a, a really short letter, but, but here's what John knew. What you imitate determines how you impact John knew this. What what you imitate determines how you impact. We're all going to impact people. The the question isn't whether we're going to impact people, whether our kids are going to impact people, whether the person that John was writing to named Gaius, whether he was going to impact people. That's not the question. The question is, how are we going to imitate? Or how are we going to impact people? Because we will impact people. But the question is how? And, and as you think about your own kids and, and you think about yourself and, and as you, you know, care about people and you've encouraged those people and you've seen people that have gone the wrong direction and they have imitated the wrong things, we've all felt that weight. We've all felt that kind of that kind of nauseousness in our stomach when somebody we love dearly is going down the wrong path, they're following the wrong example. And so as John is writing to a really good friend who he loves dearly, like we can lean into this, we can feel what he's writing because we've all felt that. Maybe we haven't put it in a letter, but we've all had a conversation or somebody that has loved us so much that they've had a conversation with us when we were starting to imitate the wrong things. And so John, as he writes, he's towards the very end of his life, 
And he's writing from probably a city called Ephesus. And as he's towards the end of his life, he's writing to this friend named Gaius. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. It's in our app or it'll be up on on the screen. Look with me at how John starts this really short letter to his good friend Gaius. He says this. He says, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health just as your whole life is going well. And so, so John, he starts this letter. He knows Gaius well, so he doesn't have to make a long introduction. He, he says, hey, hey, buddy, you're, you're my good friend, my, my good friend Gaius, I, who I, I love in the truth. And, and Gaius was a name that was kind of a, a, a common name in the, in the Roman Empire. It was one of the things, like, you knew a lot of Gaiuses. So this guy is, we don't know a lot about him. It's just a normal name. Just a normal guy who John has, over the years, has ministered to. He's probably a spiritual father to this guy. Gaius is probably helping lead a house church that John kind of oversees and kind of cares for. And so he's writing this letter to his good friend. And he says, man, I, I, I pray that you are prospering in every way. I, I pray that you're in good health. I mean, in this day and age, they... Life expectancy wasn't super long. There wasn't obviously all the medical things that we have. And so Johnny's just, as you would pray for your friend, he's saying, man, I just, I, I know you're doing well spiritually, but I'm also praying that you are staying healthy and that you're, you're taking care of yourself, man, that, that you're, you're, you're not sick. I, I'm praying for you. I love you. And then he says this in verse three, he says, for I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity, to the truth, how you are walking in the truth. Basically, he says, and this is what a great compliment. He basically says, you know what? You have a reputation for living out what you say you believe. Guys, I I just hear from other people that, man, you're walking in the truth. Like, you're not just talking about it. You're not just telling other people to do it, but man, you have a reputation for just being faithful, for, for walking out what you say you believe about Jesus. It's, it's just known. You may be somebody that, and we all know this, we've all experienced this, you may have been hurt by somebody that, that said one thing, but their life didn't match up. It may be why some of you walked away from the church for a little while. Because you heard somebody clearly say what they believed and and clearly preach or encourage you to follow a certain way. But then you were really discouraged and hurt when you saw that, hey, their life doesn't even match up what they're telling me to do. And they're, yeah, and we, none of us are perfect. All of us are hypocrites in some ways, but, but, but we all know that feeling of when somebody says, hey, this is the way you do it. This is how you should walk. This is how you should live your life. And then we find out through the grapevine that they're not even following their own advice. It's discouraging. But on the other side, when we, when we hear of someone who says it and then is actually living it out when no one else is looking, 
And that's encouraging. That's like, wow, that's, that, that, that puts wind in our sails to do the same thing. And that's this Gaius guy, that's who he was. He was a guy that was just known for walking out what he, say he, what he said he believed. And so John, he begins this letter by just calling it out and saying, man, I just want to encourage you. I want you to know I'm just proud of you. I love you. But then he goes on and, and he kind of continues on with the encouragement. He says, man, he says, I have no greater joy. Like nothing makes me happier than this. To hear that my children, and, and he's talking about spiritual children. It could apply to our physical children too. But he's talking about people that he was kind of a spiritual father for. He says, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Nothing makes me happier than hearing and watching my kids look more like Jesus. Walk the way of Jesus. Oh, nothing makes me happier is what John says. And, and what John does in the next couple of verses is he says, Gaius, let me, let me call out a couple of specific things that I've seen in your life that make me excited and help me know that you're, man, you're really walking this thing out. He, he kind of calls out some specific things. And, and I think we, we learn and we'll look at some of those, but I think sometimes we feel like we don't want anybody to get too proud, so we hold back our encouragement of them. Like, ah, I don't want to encourage them too much because they might get a big head. I would say, take that chance. Take the chance. And, and I think that's what John, he says, man, I'm excited that you're walking in the truth, but let me tell you specifically some of the things that you're doing that I'm just proud of, and I want to just continue to put wind in your sail to continue to do them. He says this in verse 5, he says, Dear friend, you are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. So what John was saying here was there were people that were traveling throughout the area that were like missionaries. They were people that were, uh, they didn't stay in one area, but they, they came to do ministry. They came to spread the message of Jesus. And they would go from town to town to these, little, these cities that had these house churches. And they would be there to encourage. They would be there to teach. There were false teachers that did this too, and John addressed those in another letter. But, but he's talking about these people that, man, they travel, they're strangers, Gaius doesn't know them. But yet Gaius is a guy that when these people come in town, he cares deeply and well for these people. He says, you've acted faithfully. You've, when these strangers have come, he says, they have testified to your love before the church. See, Gaius, Gaius wasn't being nice to these people. He wasn't caring for these people so he would get a ribbon or so that people would know about that. He wasn't doing it for people, but what happened was his reputation, again, it just got out. That man, there's just, you just have a reputation, buddy, for just loving people well. But I know you didn't do it for that reason, but you didn't do it to be seen by people, but your reputation for caring well for people, it's spread. And he says this, he says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. 
since they get out for the sake of the name. For, for since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. He, he's saying, John, basically what John's doing here, he's saying, hey, let me pull, put some fuel on your fire. You, you have cared well for these people. And, and I want to encourage you to continue to send these people off and bless them and provide resources for them. Continue to care for them well. John, I, I, or Gaius, I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Keep doing it. You're doing the right thing. Keep doing that. And, and, and I love what his, this next phrase is. And, and we had some great examples of this this past week. But his next phrase is this. He says, therefore, we ought to support such people. He's talking about these missionaries, these people that traveled to minister, so that we can be co-workers with the truth. And one of the beautiful things that takes place when we use our resources to further the proclamation of the message of Jesus, when we use our resources to to bless people who are taking the message of Jesus to different parts of the world, it, it literally is as if we are locking arms with them. And, and this is what John's saying. He's saying, Gaius, when, when you bless these missionaries, when you take care of them when they're in your house, buddy, you are a co-worker with them. As they're ministering to people that you'll never see, it's as if you were there with them. The fruit they get from that ministry is your fruit too. You are a co-worker with them. This past week at sports camp, we had a team uh, from First Baptist Church of Woodstock come. We had 10 people come and help us with sports camp. And you know what? We, we had some good examples of this. We had several families that when these people came to town said, you know what? They can stay at our house. We'll take care of them while they're here. We'll make sure they have a great place to sleep. We'll help them make sure they have whatever they need. We just want to be a blessing to them as they minister. And, and here's what's cool. The people that housed this team, whether they were at sports camp or not, it was as if they were locking arms with this team and they were co-workers. They were helping. They were resourcing. And they... they they're not that you're looking for credit, but they were able to, as if they were the one at sports camp, they were co-workers because they used their resources to bless those who are being a blessing to others. Another example is we, as a church, we support and we give some funding to a missionary in this part of the world. Can't even tell you their name because what they're doing is illegal where they're at. But we have sent some funds. We pray for this couple who is trying to reach Muslim people that don't know Jesus, is trying to start churches where it's illegal to start churches. And here's what I can say for about 99.9% .9 of you. You will never meet these people face to face. Some of you will. We'll take a trip. I've taken one. A few of you may go with me next time. You may get a chance to meet this. It's an awesome couple. But because you give, because you pray, it's as if you were standing on the continent of Africa locking arms with this missionary as they seek to reach a group of people that are 99.9% .9 Muslim. And very few of them 
know Jesus. We're planting some churches in the next few years. Some of you have already just been so, uh, you've given so sacrificially, you've uh, given towards our people must know kind of offering, and some of you don't know what that is because you may be new, but you've given sacrificially above and beyond what you normally give to, to help start a church you may never step foot in, to help reach a group of people you may never meet, and as you've done that, like what John is saying to Gaius, it's as if you are locking arms. And whether you're there on launch day of those churches, it's as if you were there locking arms with those people that are doing that. And, and as John talks about this, he's, he's not telling Gaius, hey, this is a replacement for serving. So as long as you care for him and maybe write a check once in a while, you don't actually have to go do it yourself. It's an assumption that Gaius is probably very active. He's, he's probably has a house church in his own home. He's, he's actively doing it himself, but he's also very mindful of other people that are, are, are giving their life for the gospel. They're, they're giving their life to get the, the message out. And so as Gaius is, is serving and doing what he's supposed to do and helping his local church, he's also blessing and resourcing other people. And, and John just says, hey, I just want to compliment you on that. It's as if you are a co worker with those who are doing that ministry. And, and after John, he, he takes this few sentences to encourage him. What he does now is he talks to Gaius about two people, and he begins to weave in this theme of imitation into what he's about to say. The first guy he tells him about, and these are guys that John and Gaius both know, the first one is, is not somebody that it sounds like John's a huge fan of. It says this in verse 9. It says, I wrote something to the church, so probably another letter, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. See, instead of being a partner with John, there's this guy. We don't know a lot about him. And what we do know, it's not something you want to be known for. But, but there's this guy named Diatrophes who had some type of influence with some of the churches that John was working with. And, and it seems as if John has written another letter. And because Diatrophes wants to be first place and he wants to be the leader and he doesn't want John's influence, he, he hasn't shared this letter with the people. He doesn't want John to have influence, not because John's teaching anything that is wrong or that isn't a, the right doctrine. It's simply because this guy, Diatrophes, is selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, and he wants to be the guy. I mean, whether you might not care about this, but we, we, there could be a fourth John sitting out there. Like there's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, there's probably another letter that our boy Diatrophes said, yeah, we ain't going to let them see that. And so John, he, he's, he's talking to Gaius about this guy, Diatrophes, who, man, is, is wanting to be the guy that doesn't allow anyone else to have influence. He wants to be the power guy. He's not interested in allowing John to, to minister to these people. And he's warning Gaius of this guy. He says in this in verse 10, he says, this is why if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words. 
Basically, John says, this, this won't get swept under the rug. And if I come and I'm in the area, I, I, he needs to answer for this behavior. This just is not right. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, and he is not satisfied with that. So basically he's saying, he's not satisfied with just not letting me have influence. Like that's bad enough. But this dude, Diatrophes, he is like another level. And he says, he says, he's not satisfied with just that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. So not only is this guy rejecting John's influence, not only is he not helping these traveling missionaries himself, but if he finds out that you're doing it, he's kicking you out of the church. You're like, dude, that seems a little bit harsh. And, and, and it does. It sounds really harsh, but probably for some of you, a version of this is what you've experienced and you probably walked away from the church because of it. You say, yeah, that sounds a little harsh, but Chris, if you knew my story and you knew some of the things I experienced in the name of Jesus, it's not too far from what John's talking to Gaius about. It's not too far from this type of leadership that John is saying, man, this is not, this isn't the way. This type of hurtful, arrogant leadership, in fact, could not be farther from what John had seen in Jesus. See, John, remember, he walked with Jesus. He hung out with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' best friends. He was one of his disciples. All the things that we read about, he was on the front row for them. All the, the, the things that we read in Scripture that Jesus said, he was there. He actually wrote some of them down. And, and I imagine that in, in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus, as he's sitting down with his guys who have a, a wrong philosophy of leadership, he, he gathers his guys, they've, they're, they're, they're kind of going some wrong ways with some of their philosophies of leadership, and Jesus says, hey guys, sit down, let me explain to you my way. Let me explain to you how we're different from what you see in the world, and this is what Jesus says. He's, Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. You've seen it, and he says, you've seen it, guys. You've seen people with power use their power almost as a religious tyrant. And, and just, just terribly, treat people terribly and use their power to push people down and push people around. And that, that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's going to be with us, Jesus says. He says, on the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, yeah, you, you've seen bad. You've seen hurtful. You've seen arrogant. You've seen power used the wrong way. 
That's not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, the greatest people among you will be the people that serve the most. The people that are last are really the people that are first. The end of the line is the beginning of the line in my kingdom. And then he says this, and he closes that little section, and he says, you know what? I'm not just saying this. I'm actually showing you what this looks like. Because the Son of Man didn't come to be served. The Son of Man, God in the flesh, did not come to boss people around and use his power for manipulative purposes. No, no, that's not why the Son of Man came. In fact, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to serve in the ultimate way, to give his life as a ransom. No one's going to take his life. He's going to voluntarily give his life to ransom people. That's your example. And this is what John had heard. This is what he had watched. He had heard Jesus from the cross say, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He had watched that. He had been there. And so as he sees this guy, Diatrophes, basically using his leadership and his position to push people down and to, to kind of be the guy and to be selfish and manipulative, he, he's saying, you know what? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. I saw how it was supposed to be. And he, and he, he, he remembers Jesus. And then he kind of closes his letter and he, and he, and he uses that phrase, he's, uh, that phrase imitate. He says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. And, and here's the assumption. The assumption is that Gaius is going to imitate somebody. He doesn't say, if you choose to imitate somebody, imitate somebody that's good. He says, no, 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 no. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Gaius, do not. You're going to be drawn to imitate. It's just natural. Do not imitate what's evil. I've just told you about what's evil. You've seen it played out, Gaius. Don't imitate that. Don't use your power in the wrong way. No, no, no. Don't be that. Imitate what's good. And then he says this, he speaks of this other guy. He doesn't say much about him, but he, he kind of gives Gaius an, an kind of another picture of someone that they both knew that, that was using their influence for good. He says, everyone speaks well of Demetrius. This, this guy may have been the actual guy that delivered the letter that John had written. Uh, he may have been one of those missionaries that, had been, that were traveling that Gaius had, had helped and cared for, but he was a known person. And John says, you know, I've talked to you about this guy, Diatrophes, and, and how he is selfish and he's manipulative and don't be like him. But instead, this guy, Demetrius, he's everyone sees him. He's, he's a good guy. He loves God. He walks it out. He says this, everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. John says, man, I, I personally vouch for this guy. He is a man who follows Jesus that I trust. 
And then John ends his letter kind of like he ended 2 John. He kind of ends it by saying, hey, I got a lot more to talk about, but I don't want to do it in a letter, so let's hang out when I get there and we'll talk more. He, He says this, he says, I got many things to write to you, but I don't want to write it you with pen and ink. I don't know, just wanted to have a face to face, but I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends, the people that were with John, send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. So, hey, the people with me, they say hi to you. Hey, tell the people that are with you hi from us. That's kind of how he ends it. And, and, And no matter how old you are or where you are in your faith journey, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, Something I know about you, and you you would probably know this about me as well, none of us sets out to be the bad example that everyone avoids. Like, none of us wants to be the diatrophies guy that that people are like, yes, stay away from them. Don't do it their way. Like, no one sets out to do that. We we don't even set out to, to follow a bad example. Like, we don't set out to be that person, and we don't set out like, hey, I, I want to follow somebody who's a train wreck, so I can be a train wreck too. Like, we don't on purpose do that. I mean, none of your kids, I hope not. If, if so, if they are, then maybe some counseling will help. But, but no one of your kids or my kids is planning to, like, hey, this year, I'm going to find the meanest guy, gal in my class, the, the class bully and I'm just going to be their best friend. I'm going to just do it, things the way they do it. I'm going to try to get a detention, get in trouble. I, I'd love to set the record for the most visits to the principal's office this year. I'm going to actually make a chart, maybe an Excel spreadsheet if they're a techie guy and, or gal. And like that, That's what I'm hoping to see happen this year at school. None of them are doing that. None, none of them are setting out to be that person. Just like none of the adults, none of us. Or when we're at the office, none of us are looking at the guy whose who's home is a wreck and saying, you know what, if I could just make the terrible kind of mistakes here, I'm just going to set out to be like them. Like We don't set out to do that. Just like John knew that Gaius wasn't going to, like on purpose, go down the wrong path and follow the wrong example, he knew that. Yet John still took the time to write and remind him to imitate what is good. And the reasons that he wrote that to a guy that was already doing good, but yet he felt led to still warn him and exhort him to not go down the wrong path, not to follow the wrong example. The reason he did that is the same reason it's relevant to us today. In fact, two reasons. And the first one is this, we will imitate someone. John knew that about Gaius. You know that about me. I know that about you. You know this about your kids. Like we're going to, and, and not like we're trying to be exactly like, but, but we do very few things that are original to us. I'll just say it that way. Most of how we think and most of what we do, we've seen someone else do. Or someone else has told us that they think this way, and it's helped us to think that way. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It can be, could be bad, could be good, but, but we all imitate someone. And John knew that. 
John knew that about that. Hey, Gaius, you're going to imitate. You're going to go down a path. You're going to follow an example. He knew that. But the second thing that he knew, and I think the second reason that he wrote this is, is this. We have the potential of following the wrong example. You're like, yeah, that's 101, Chris. That's obvious. But I think this isn't obvious to some people. And, and it, maybe it wasn't obvious to Gaius. Maybe he thought like he was going to, he was good. Like he, there was no temptation to like go down the wrong path. Of course, I'm never going to do that. And maybe he kind of had that attitude. I don't know. But John felt very strongly. Obviously, he wrote a letter and he used a letter to say, hey, make sure you imitate what's good. And let me tell you about a couple people, one that's a good example, one that's a terrible example. Because John knew that we imitate someone, and he also knew that we have the potential of following the wrong example. You probably said these phrases. I could never do fill in the blank. Or I would never be like fill in the blank. Probably every single person, whether you're online or you're here this morning, You've said some version, maybe both of these. Oh, I could never do. Like somebody else like messed up something, did something terrible. I could never do that. And we really think that. No, I could never. Not me. I mean, I get that. They're a little, you know, rough around the edges. I get why they did it, but I could never do it. And then we've probably also said, you know what? I will never be like, and you put a name in there. I'll never be like my dad. I'll never be like this. I'll never do. And, and, we, and we really think like, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not going to be that person. I know what that does. And I think John knew this. And I think Satan knows this. That we're pretty confident about ourselves. And that's usually the place where we are most fertile for a fall. I could, I'll never be follow that example. I'll never be like them. I'll never do to my family what they did to their family. And then five years later, we look up and we're in the same boat they were in. And I think John, one of the reasons that he wrote, he wanted to remind Gaius that, man, you will imitate someone. And, and no matter how good you're doing right now, you have the potential of following the wrong example. You have the potential of being what you say you could never be. And he wanted him to, to know that. See, when we imitate someone that is not walking with God, we hurt others and we go against God's best for us. And all the way back in Genesis, it tells us clearly whose image that we should reflect. Genesis 1.27, it says this, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. I like how Greg Beale said it. He said this. He said, it's in our nature to bear the image of something. If not God, then idols. If not the creator, then the creation. We, we will imitate something. And God, through the writing of, of John, calls us to imitate what is good. 
And for John, he had seen and he had heard and he had walked with goodness. He had walked with the most good person that had ever walked the earth. He knew what it meant to be good. He watched it in its purest form. And he encourages Gaius. He says, man, you will imitate, so imitate what is good. Imitate what is good. Because here's what John understood, and it was lived out in his own life. He understood clearly that we become what we behold. We become what we behold. We become what we focus on, what we view, what we spend time thinking about. We become what we behold. We become what's important to us. This was true then, and it's true today. Which leaves us with one question, one, one final question. Here's the question. What are you becoming? What are you becoming? Are you becoming more afraid, more anxious, more angry? Or are you becoming more kind, more tender-hearted, more caring, more worthy of imitation? What are you becoming? Like, if, if, if the, the path you're following right now from the inside, what's going on in the inside? If you continued to follow that path, what would your inside look like in five years? What would your life look like in 10 years? How does this story end if you become what you're becoming right now? See, what if, what if this week you and I put more time into seeing and hearing from Jesus? What if we put more time into, more time than, than, than with anybody else or anything else, what if we put more time into seeing and hearing from Jesus? If we truly become what we behold, what if just for a week we said, I am going to put my focus on Jesus. I'm going to spend time with him. If, if this is true, that I become what I behold, I'm going to look more like Jesus by the end of this week. Because I'm going to spend time with him. What if who we were becoming looked more like Jesus than anyone else? Or anything else? And, and it won't happen by accident. It won't happen by, like we know that. We know that with our kids. That's why we tell our kids, hey, don't, don't hang out with those people. Don't watch that. That's not something you need to watch. That's not something you need to listen to. Because we know this intuitively. But sometimes what we know for our kids, we don't apply to our own life because we, we, we kind of act like, hey, I, I'm, I'm kind of graduated from that. And so what would it look like if, if this week, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, if you looked more like Jesus? It might mean, you know what, I'm just going to set some time aside over my lunch break and instead of watching or listening to sports radio, I'm going to read my Bible for 10 minutes. It might mean, you know what, there's a couple apps on my phone that, man, I just find myself always on. I just need to delete them for a while. Just, 
There's some things I'm, I'm putting in front of me maybe that nobody else knows about. There's some things I'm doing in my private time that, that I'm, I'm looking at or thinking about or listening to. And, and uh, I just know it's not good. I know it's not helpful. And I, I can tell that it's, it's messing with my thinking. It's not helping me be a good dad, a good husband, a good friend. And, and so I'm, I'm just going to turn that stuff off. I'm going to move away from that stuff. And I'm just going to I'm just going to act as if I actually believe this, and I'm going to spend more time with Jesus. And I don't even, man, I'm, I'm new to faith. I don't even totally know what the whole Jesus thing's about, but I'm just going to commit for one week to get to know it better. See what happens. It won't happen by accident, as I said earlier, but it's what God wants for you and for me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this just simple letter from a guy named John to his friend Gaius, a guy who was already, man, just making an impact, seems like a really great guy, but John loved him enough to just encourage him, call out what he saw that was good, but also to just exhort him to imitate what is good. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you would say, or you're watching online, you'd say, Chris, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm not really a person of faith. Just kind of here at church, kind of investigating this whole thing. See, for you, if, if you were to take a first step, maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm not really into faith, but I definitely, there's something inside of me that just feels this need or this tug to lean into this Jesus thing. Like, Chris, what would a good first step be? And really, the, the first best step is a step that we saw several children make this week, and it's just to start a relationship with God. You say, Chris, is that pretty, is that complicated? It sounds kind of complicated. Is that complicated? Not at all. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, it's, it's pretty simple. Just between you and God right now, just from your heart to His, not out loud, but just in your heart to God, just, just maybe tell Him, just say something like this, God, I admit to you that I've gone my own way. Just tell Him. He knows. Tell Him, I, I've sinned. I've disobeyed you, God. Just tell Him. And then just tell him, God, I, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and that he rose from the grave. I believe that. And then just ask God, God, based on that belief, would you come into my life? I want to start a relationship with you now and this morning whether you're online or you're here if you prayed to God and you meant it and you believed in Jesus and what he did and you asked God to save you and that's an awesome decision it's a decision to start a relationship with God that will transform you today but will also transform your eternity and so if you're here this morning and you've made that decision, man, we'd love to know about it. We're not going to embarrass you. 
But there's a little card right in front of you. It just says decision or my decision on it. And you can just fill that card out as the last song's going on. And then on your way out, you can either take it to the next steps table. We'd love to give you a Bible or some, some help, just some helpful things that would help you. Or if you're like, I don't really want to talk to anybody about it, but I'd, I'll fill the card out. You can just put it in the offering basket on the way out. If you're watching online, you can just go to citywalk.cc and you'll find a card there that you can fill out. For many of you with your our heads bowed and eyes closed, and many of you, you've already made that decision. You're already a follower of Jesus. You've started a relationship with God at some point in your life. And let me ask you a question. What are you becoming? If you continue down the path you're on, what would you look like in five years? Would you look more like Jesus? Since we become what we behold, what we focus on, is there something that you're focusing on? Is there something that you're listening to? Is there something that's just not helpful, that's not helping you become more like Jesus? Is there, is there something? Maybe for you, it's like, no, I, I, nothing comes to mind, which is great. Or maybe as, as you're listening to God, God just is brings something to your attention. It's like, you know what? Yeah, there's some things in my life that I'm focusing on that are not helping me look more like Jesus. What if this week you set those aside? What if this week you set those aside and you put more time into seeing and hearing from Jesus? And that'll look different for all of us. But, but what if we did that? What would you look like in a year, in five years? What would you become? Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Your word is clear. Your spirit is clear. I pray that we would listen and that we would obey the clear promptings of your spirit. And today, if your spirit is prompting someone to start a relationship with you, God, I pray that they would do that if they haven't already. God, I pray if your spirit is prompting someone to get some things out of their life that they're focusing on so that they can focus more on you, God, I pray that you would make that clear and that they would do that. As our band sings a, a final song, we have some folks down front that are here Victoria to pray with you. If you have questions, if you have just want somebody to pray with you, she's down front to, to just serve you. God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for truth. I pray that you would speak clearly and that we would obey. In Jesus' name, amen.